So this morning, I know Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 is not a traditional Christmas story passage. But one of the things we want to do as we think about being a part of a church is we've been working our way through the book of Hebrews. And so I thought it would be neat for us this morning on Christmas Eve just to pick up right where we are in the book. And so we're going to study Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and then we're going to connect those verses to the Christmas story. And I'd love to read those verses with you as we get started this morning. Especially once I find my place. There we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Here's what God's Word says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together as we get ready to study scripture. Father, thank you for these kids being here this morning. It is such a joy to be able to be here with, with family, with friends, the gift of a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ. God, thank you for that on a morning like this. God, we know that Christmas is an incredible time of celebration, and at the same time, it can be a hard season as well for a lot of people. And Father, I pray that you would bring comfort and peace and hope to people who are hurting and struggling. God, show us more this morning of what it means to live every day for you, how we do that, what our lives are directed toward. And God, speak to us through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Today, on Christmas Eve, I want to encourage you to run. I want to encourage you to run. Now, here's the, here's the problem with that. Some of you will go home today and you will literally run. And then you'll post about it on social media, and we'll see it while we're eating our third dessert after our second plate of food, and we'll be impressed, seriously. Like, we'll be impressed that you went out and, and run today. We probably all need to be doing that. So some of you will go out and run. I try to avoid running, um, if at all possible. I run if I'm late, if I'm being chased, or if I need to prove to my kids that I'm still faster than they are. Like, those would be the only times that I would be interested in running. If you sent me out to go for a walk, walk the dog, if you sent me out to go on a hike, sign me up for that all day long. Like, I want to get my steps in. I love to walk. I just hate to run. And I can show you exactly where my running career ended, okay? If you look up here on the screen, you're like, what am I looking at? You were looking at a map of the northwest part of Shawnee, Oklahoma, okay? So you're looking at the northwest corner of Shawnee, Oklahoma. That red circle up there is where St. Gregory's University was for a long time. When I was there in Shawnee in the early 2000s, St. Gregory's, it's now the green campus of Oklahoma Baptist University, but that's St. Gregory's. Over here on the right, there's a circle, a green circle. That's Oklahoma Baptist University, greatest university on the planet. That's where I went to college. It's over here on the right on MacArthur Avenue. Down here at the bottom of the screen, is a green circle, and you're probably thinking to yourself, that's probably a really important green circle. That green circle at the bottom is the little park where Amanda and I were engaged, where I proposed to Amanda. And you're probably thinking, man, that must be a really romantic spot in Shawnee. Friends, it is not. Uh, if, if, you're going, if you're going to Shawnee to find like a really romantic place, it's probably not going to be on the top 100 list, even of Shawnee America, okay? So, uh, but it, it was special to us. 
There was a reason the engagement happened there. It's a reason I proposed down there. And so in between those green circles is the Shawnee Airport. And there's a running track that goes around there. And a lot of students will run uh, around that track. So the green line coming from OBU down to that park, that's me as a college student out for my run. The red arrow up there, you're like, man, I wonder what that red arrow is. That, my friends, is the St. Gregory's University women's cross-country team, okay? They've come out of St. Gregory's, and they're headed east on MacArthur. Here's Owen as a college student running north on this little side street. And as I'm running north, I realize the women's cross-country team from St. Gregory's and Owen are going to reach MacArthur Avenue at pretty much exactly the same time. So I have two options. I can either slow down and come in, but then you look like a creeper, and that's just not cool. Like, you don't want to do that, and I don't want to prove that I'm slow. I know I'm slow, but I don't want to do that option. So the other option is I have to speed up and get in front of their cross-country team, which brings into play the very real possibility that I will be passed by the St. Gregory's women's cross-country team at this point. So I have to preserve my dignity. I have to do the right thing. So I speed up, and I get in front of them, and I run, sprint down MacArthur to get to my apartment. I come into my apartment just in front of the cross-country team, which I'm sure slowed down just to make me feel better about myself. I come into the apartment. My roommates are like, what's wrong? I was like, I was chased by the only bear in Shawnee. I have no idea what happened. It was just the craziest. No, I, my running career ended that day because of that, that situation. However, when you look in the Bible, you get this imagery of a race that shows up a lot. And what we're going to talk about this morning is what does it mean to run the spiritual race? What does it mean to run the race that God has set in front of us? Hebrews chapter 12. You go home today and somebody's like, what was the Christmas story about? What was the, well, it was about a race. I have no idea, but that's what it was. So Christmas today is about a race. Look at your Bible toward the end of verse 1 in chapter 12. If you look toward the end of verse 1 in chapter 12 in your Bible, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. When we study scripture, oftentimes what we're looking for in a passage is what is the main idea? What's the main verb? What's the main focus of this passage? And the way the author set this up, and remember, the author of Hebrews is a pastor. He is giving us one of his sermons in Scripture here. So he's preaching to us here in the Bible. And here, he has put his main point right in the middle of this section, and it says, let us run. And then he puts all the supporting ideas around that main command. And so the main command this morning on Christmas Eve is we need to run. Now, what kind of race are we talking about? Thankfully, we're not talking about a sprint, okay? We're talking about a marathon here, and the reason we know we're talking about a marathon is because it says, let us run with endurance. So this is not a 100-yard dash. This is a race that requires endurance. You've got to keep going. You've got to stay focused. But it's also a race that we run that is set out for us. And that takes us to point number one this morning. If you're taking notes, the first point this morning is, where will we run? Where will we run in our lives? It says there that we are to run the race that is set out for us. When you are thinking about your life, you're thinking about the direction of your life. Where is your life going? God has designed your life for a particular direction, for a particular 
purpose. We are called to run in a particular way. Some people, you may see this from time to time, even social media, different places. Some people describe religion that God is at the top of a mountain, and it doesn't matter what path you take as long as you get to God at the top of the mountain. So you can take whatever spiritual path you want, and all those paths lead to the same place at the top of the mountain. And I'm just here to say to you that that is not what the scriptures teach. That that is not, when we come together as the people of God, we come together believing John 14, 6, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That we don't make our own way to God. When you're thinking about religion, when you're thinking about faith, it's not you do you. It's we submit to the God of the universe, to the one who created us, the one who's due our worship. And so we want to live our lives for him, directed toward him. In the book of Hebrews, it says, where are you supposed to run? We're supposed to run to his presence, to experience his peace and his joy and his rest. And we are supposed to run toward eternity with him, toward an unshakable, never-ending eternity in the new creation where we will forever live in his presence. Run that direction. Now there's a tension here because some of us hear that and it sounds almost robotic. So the race that is set out before us isn't that deterministic? Like, are we just lemmings that are in a single file line just doing whatever the person in front of us is doing? No, that's not the case. God's given you a personality. God's given you giftings. God's given you a particular calling. He's put you in a particular culture. The race itself is down a path always focused on Jesus, headed toward the presence of God, headed toward eternity with him. But the details of that race are going to look different for different people. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. We chase squirrels like crazy. <laughs> like, we're on this race. We're on this race where we're headed towards God's presence. We're trying to live for him. We're trying to move toward eternity. And we're just off this direction, and we go off this direction. It's like trying to chase a toddler through the mall, and like they're just, you know, off every particular direction. I read this last year about a long-distance runner who was competing in this famous road race called the Peachtree Classic in Atlanta. And she was almost to the finish line, and she was following the Pacer motorcycle. And the motorcycle turned off at the last second to go down a side street, and this racer followed this motorcycle down the side street and lost the race at the last second because she didn't finish the course that was set out. Which honestly sounds like the motorcyclist's fault, you know, when you hear that story, but, but it, it taps into what we all face in life. How many people in their Christian life have been going in a good direction? You've been seeking after the Lord, you've been drawing near to him, and you get distracted or you get discouraged, or you turn around and you go back to where you came from, so many times we go in the wrong direction. Sometimes we even run the wrong course. You think about the reality in life. People chase all these things in, life, and you may, in their life, and you may have heard of this image. It's like you get to the end of your life, and you realize you lean the ladder up against the wrong building. You climb, you work, you go to all this effort, you climb the top of the ladder, and you get to the end and think, is this what I was living for this whole time? Is this what I'd be giving my time and my energy and my effort? Is this what I gave up my family for? Is this what I gave up all these things? We climb this ladder, and it gets us to the wrong place. God has set out a path for us to race, and the key is we have to follow 
his course. We can't be like the lady that I read about this last year who was competing in an ultra marathon. This racer from the United Kingdom, from Great Britain, was competing in an ultra marathon. And somewhere along the course, she got into a car and drove 13 miles of this 50-mile race in a car, and they dropped her back off, and she finished the race. And she finished third. I'm just here to say that if you're going to cheat and get into a car and drives you 13 of the 50 miles, you better win. Like, that's a, that's a really, really bad look, that you got a 13-mile help in a car, and you didn't win the race. That there is this course that has been set out for you. This is the course that you've been called to run. We have to run that course. And so this morning, Christmas Eve, we're going to come back around to this question. But if I could just slow down for just a moment and ask you the question, where are you running? If someone looked at your life and they saw the direction your life was going, how would they answer that question? Where are you running? And sometimes we don't know where we're running we're just running away from something. We have no purpose and direction from our lives. We just say, I don't want to go back there. I'm running away from something. And the beauty of God's work in your life is he has set out the course before you, and that course leads to his presence and to eternity with him. Now the question is, how do you get there? How do you go down that race? How do you stay on the right course? Well, that takes you back to the beginning of the chapter. If you go back to the beginning of verse 1, how do we do this? It says at the beginning of verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. How do you know which course to run? How do you keep running when you get distracted and tired? You need people around you who will encourage you to keep going. You need the church. You need witnesses who are like a huge audience. But here's the key. The word up there, the key word in that sentence is the word witnesses. You think about running a marathon and entering the arena at the very end to take that final lap or final laps around the track, and there's this huge group of spectators. In this verse, the way it's set up, these spectators, they've already run the race in front of you. And so they're witnesses. They're not armchair Monday morning quarterbacks. <laughs> they're not people who tell you what you should be doing, but they've never done it before. They're witnesses to how good Jesus is and what it means to keep going. And so you are surrounded by people who have run the race in front of you, and they are cheering you on. Who are, who are those people? Well, it's the historic church, which if you're thinking about the historic church, I would back that even up to include the Old Testament examples of faith, those people we learn about in the season of Advent leading up to Christmas. Kids, remember in your Bible, the first part of your Bible is called the Old Testament, and you get so many examples of people of faith who are looking for the Messiah to come, the one who will come as the Savior and the Rescuer, and we can learn from them. We can learn from people in history. Sometimes in our church, and this is my fault as, as much as anybody, sometimes in Baptist churches, we don't do very well looking back at church history and learning about some of these people who have come before. But when you learn about people who have run the race already, it's encouraging to keep going. We need the global church. We need to remember that when we are trying to follow after Jesus, when we're trying to live our lives in a way that honor the Lord, you're not in this race alone. That there are believers around the world, and let's be honest about this point, we complain about some things that just aren't big deals, 
when there are believers around the world going through incredibly difficult circumstances. And when we look to their lives and they're encouraging us to keep going, it provides fuel, it provides focus for our lives. And finally, the great cloud of witnesses, these ladies sitting up here in this, these chairs, people around you, I don't want to be too uh, abrupt or, or come across rude at all, but I, I just want to say this very directly. As part of the Christian life, as part of running this race that God has set out in front of you, you need to be a part of a local church. You need believers around you who are going to encourage you to keep going because you're going to get distracted. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get tired. And you need people who say, I am with you. And we'll go out to coffee and you can come over to my house and we can meet together and you can be a part of my group and we are going to keep following Jesus together because he is worth it. And you need a cloud of witnesses. You need people around you who are going to encourage you to keep going. Secondly, what comes right after that? So you need encouragement to keep going. What else do you need? It says, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which cleans so closely. We need freedom from excess weight or these sins that trip us up. And you're like, well, that's kind of a tough imagery. Yeah, it is. It is. If you take it really literally, what the author is saying is you are going to run better and you are going to run further if you're not carrying a little bit of extra weight with you uh, along the way. Like that's the imagery that, that he's giving here. What's the spiritual application? Sometimes in our spiritual lives, we struggle to run the race of faith because we are carrying a lot of weight with us. And not physical weight, spiritual weight. We're worried about our reputation. We're carrying the weight of extra possessions that we don't need. We are dragging a sled behind us that is weighted down with all of this junk from our past. And you carry all of this pain from your past, and you carry all of this shame related to religion, and you carry all of these mistakes that you've made, and they weigh you down because you're carrying this sled behind that you were never meant to carry. That Jesus has taken those things. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. I will give you freedom from those things. And we carry around these habits and these sins and these things in our heart. And it is hard to run the race of faith when you're carrying these things around that constantly pull you away from Jesus. And so we have the church to say, get rid of those things. You don't need those things. Give your life to Jesus. Focus on him. Third, we know how to run. We have people around us. We get rid of this extra junk that's with us, this extra weight, these sins. What do we do? Why do we run? Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. You hear the sermon up to this point, and here's the danger, okay? So hear me out. I know the danger at this point. You've been told to go to church, and you've been told not to do so many bad things in your life. <laughs> so I'm supposed to go to church. I'm supposed to not do so many bad things in my life. Man, thanks for that. Can I tell you that that is not the gospel message? The gospel message is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. When you look to Jesus, he's going to call you to be a part of the church. 
He's going to call you to get rid of some things in your life, but your hope to run, we run to Jesus, we run because of Jesus, and we run for Jesus. That he is the focus. He is the good news of the gospel. The hope you have this morning is because of Christmas and Easter. Because Jesus began the race, he ran in front of you, and he ran that race to completion. He didn't jump into a car for 13 miles or a chariot or whatever Jesus would have jumped into. He didn't cut short the race. He didn't go off the course at the final second. He ran all the way through the finish line, through the cross, right to the resurrection, now at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, reigning over all things. And so we look to Jesus. We have the church that points us to Jesus. We get rid of all this weight and sin in our life because we want to know Jesus more. We look to Jesus. And this is where the Christmas story is such good news. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, thinking about the Christmas story. The angel said to Joseph, Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We don't just need an example. We need a Savior. Verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you're not particularly familiar with your Bible or the Christian faith, this is a key point of Christmas, that when we talk about Jesus, we are talking about God with us. God took on flesh. He lived fully in this world, beginning, beginning at conception, as an infant in the womb, then a small child, then a 12-year-old boy, then a 30-year-old man, and then beginning his ministry, his baptism, his temptation, the Garden of Gethsemane, the cross, the resurrection. He did all of that for what purpose? Look back in your Bible at the end of verse 2. If you like to underline your Bible, you can really underline all of this, but the end of verse 2 is a beautiful part of this, of this passage. It says that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He knew where he was running. He knew what he was focused on, and he ran all the way there through the cross and through the resurrection. Here's how we say it at Emmaus. At Emmaus, we say that every person on the planet has two problems that they can't overcome on their own. It doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter your religion, it doesn't matter anything about your life. You take every person on the planet, you take every person in this room, everybody has two problems that they can't fix on their own. Sin and death. Every one of us realizes that we are sinful people, broken people, living in a sinful, broken world, and every one of us faces the reality of death. And you can try everything you want, but we cannot fix those two problems on our own. But Jesus did. He overcame sin through the cross, and he overcame death through the resurrection. And he is a great example, but better than an example, he is your Savior. And he is your Lord, and he is worth everything you have to give. Run your life, run your race, focused on him, going toward him, surrounded by the church, people who love you and pray for you and encourage you getting rid of this junk in your life that doesn't need to be a part, getting rid of these sins that continue to trip you up, getting rid of these things that distract you, and say, I want to live for Jesus. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. 
this morning, Christmas Eve, I want to ask you two questions. Question number one kind of comes in two parts. I said it two different ways. Where am I running? So when you think about your life, before we leave this place, go to lunch, enjoy time after this, ask yourself the question, what is the goal of my life? What is the purpose of my life? Where is my life heading? If I stayed on this path, where am I going to end up? And do I like the answer to, to that question? Where am I running? If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I would tell you to give your life to Jesus. That he has taken your sin, he's overcome death, and he gives you life. Life now and life eternal. Put your faith in him. Trust in him this morning. If you're following after Jesus, question number two, what keeps me from running with freedom and focus? <laughs> Most of us in our Christian life, it's like two steps forward, three steps back, two steps to the side, one step over here. Like we're kind of a mess when we think about what does this progress look like? What does the race look like in the Christian life? What's preventing you from living fully for the Lord? And just a commercial would be that next Sunday morning, 1045, New Year's Eve Sunday morning, we're going to answer that exact question. What do we need to get rid of in our lives? What do we need to deal with in our lives so we can run the Christian life that God has put in front of us? So if you're trying to think through this, like what gets in my way? What do I need to get rid of? We're going to answer that exact question next Sunday morning. But this morning, what we're focused on is Jesus that we would live our lives for him, that he is light in the darkness, and we are called to be the same. Would you bow your heads with me? This morning, as we get ready to wrap up our Christmas Eve service, we're going to end with candle lighting in just a moment and, and silent night. Thinking about the light of Jesus coming into the darkness of our world, the darkness of our lives, and then when Jesus changes us, we go out with that light to share that with others. And here in just a minute, when you get that light and when it's passed around to you, we're obviously not literally going to run with that light, but, but think about the imagery of running a race with that light held high, knowing that is possible because of Jesus. He lights your way. He shows you where to go. Father, I pray for people in this room this morning who are struggling with life. They're asking questions about the purpose of their life. What are they spending money on? What are they spending time on? Is it worth it to give up family? Is it worth it to give up the things they're giving up because of where life is going? God, we always have to ask ourselves, where are we running? What are we living for? What direction is our life going? And God, we want to run with endurance the race that you have set out for us. It's going to look a little bit different for every person, but it is going to be focused on Jesus. And God, help us to get rid of anything that gets in the way of that. And help us to surround ourselves with people who will help us to run. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.